I'm Sam. <laughs> Hi. Hey. What? <laughs> Hello. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank folks, you for having me back, friends. We are truly honored tonight. We have a couple folks here who y'all know very well um, and will be very excited to find out. Well, you know, Sam is one of them. We have another. Yeah. <laughs> If you, saw, if you saw that newspaper article about Michael Kennedy being pushed down a flight of stairs, that it explains it. <laughs> Sam did that. Bye, um, bitch. So Michael's not here this evening. Um, Miss you, Michael. Yeah, what a coincidence. <laughs> Hi. Hi. All right, well, let's quickly um, bring our other guest into it. Um, this is a repeat guest. This is someone I think we mention almost every episode. <laughs> um, yeah. Hi, everybody. This Hi. is Jordan Cruciola making my return engagement <laughs> as I begged to do upon <laughs> recording my first installment of this. Uh, and I am so thrilled for the movie that we're talking about tonight because it was it was the movie that I pleaded you to, did. to come back for. And at the time, had just seen it when we started the <laughs> Seed of Chucky episode. <laughs> yes. And uh, I promised to bring chicken wings in celebration. You did, too. And I have brought them for uh, the remake of Suspiria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I listened to your episode, I was so jealous I didn't get to be there for it because I love you. And now I get to be here for this. Yeah. This is magic. Yeah. Michael, we miss you and we love you. I'm sorry that couldn't be the complete the complete picture today. <laughs> yeah, sorry about those stairs. Yeah. <laughs> sorry about the plot against you. No, Michael mm-hmm. is okay, everybody. No worries. <laughs> yes. I did not push Michael down the stairs <laughs> yet. <laughs> <sighs> well, so nice to see everyone. Um you, Brennan was not here last week. No, so. I got hit with a really crazy migraine about four hours before recording. And I was like, literally couldn't drive. Yeah. Um, Live. Yeah. So. Yeah. For- Brennan was like, uh, Nay, do you want to hang out before record? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I was so sad. And then, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he was like, just no. kidding. I actually am very Brennan sick. wanted to hang out. <laughs> but, the, the Sam pushed Michael down the stairs. Right. Literally, it was. It was really scary though. No, so yeah, no, no, no. no sorry, you're, you're not diminishing. No, I was just like, it was one of the weirdest situations. Because like, have you ever heard of migraine auras? Yes, yes, I've heard of that. I live okay. in fear. I've never gotten a migraine. My mom gets terrible Ooh, cluster yeah. headaches. I live in fear of starting to get migraines. Yeah, like it's it's a, it's a real present fear in my mind. Yes, for yeah. for those who aren't in the know, migraine auras are kind of like um. There's a lot of different. I don't know, incarnations they take. But imagine if someone takes a picture of you with the flash on and you can kind of see the flash as like a hole in your vision Mm -hmm, afterwards. mm -hmm. Like if you're looking around, you can still see like a colorful circle in the shape of the flash. Mm -hmm. Does that Mm -hmm. sound familiar? Yes. It's like that. But for me, it was like this horseshoe shaped smear across my vision where everything was just blurry. That's like a fucking horror movie. That's just like. Or the horror movie we just watched where all those lights were going on behind the Johnson. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah, Like. (laughs) I, Migraine aura. Yeah, yeah. No, I was at Target and I was like, I can't see that guy's legs. Where did they go? Oh, so no. I had laid down in the dark for about eight hours. Yep. Um, That'll do it. Anyway, what's everyone been watching? Well, yeah. If anyone has been able to see, yeah. Uh, were you able to watch anything? I who who should kick it off? Whatever. I I know exactly what I want to talk about. That <laughs> Please, I've been watching okay. Because season two of Elite oh, hit Netflix. Okay. 
I think two weeks ago. That's the Spanish show. That right? is the Spanish okay. show that is a hybrid, I would say, most accessibly, of Big Little Lies and Gossip Girl. Oh, okay. So it's like Gossip Girl wealth. <laughs> Sold. Murder I mean, mystery. What? Sexy high school kids in Spain at an elite private institution. And in the first season, everything is thrown into upheaval because these um, basically th- these poor kids get scholarships to attend and they throw off the whole like purely rich person ecosystem of the school. How right. dare they? And the first season revolves around the messiest bitch in the whole school. And in a way that I won't Sold. say because I don't want to spoil it. So, so on board. In the That's second, what it says on and, my card. And because it's and because they're in Spain, everybody's drinking and having sex with each other, and you're just like they're Spanish. Like it doesn't feel like the scandalousness of it doesn't feel like because these kids are like using drugs or drinking or anything. It's like oh, surely no, they're European. That's fine. Not so, like in Gossip Girl when you're just watching thirty year olds pretend to be twelve. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And it is. It is such a. So the the first season revolves around this murder mystery, and then the second season revolves around, like, the aftermath of what they learned about the murder mystery. Oh, okay. oh wow. And there is a, a character in it named Carla, who, if you start watching this, obviously you will meet her, who is my absolute favorite. And the creators responded accordingly to season one and gave Carla a bigger role in season two. Yes. Great. And, um... She's she's if if you know anything about me from social media, she is just so much what I'm susceptible to. I was once told by a friend very accurately that my type on when if we're speaking about women, that my type is a lithe, (laughs) tall uh, women who are either damaged or murderers. (laughs) <laughs> and and I, and this yeah and I was like you accurate because <laughs> like at the time like I had been t- like that was uh like that was when Endgame came out so I was talking a lot about Nebula Karen Gillan <laughs> amazing six foot Scottish yep. goddess Karen Gillan tremendous actress uh, Elizabeth Debicki also has been a like land assassin and I think space assassin at a certain point and I went and saw Booksmart. And my friend Angie was like, oh, you're definitely, like, the hot, bitchy lesbian. I was like, I definitely will. Came out of it. It was like, Diana Silver, we stand. I, I, yes. And then, so you watch this, and Carla is kind of the equivalent of the, she's the equivalent of the space assassin, basically, archetype in this movie, in this wow. TV show. Where do you um, watch it? Because I'm Netflix. In. It's a Netflix okay. series. <laughs> it is native to them. Uh, and it's just it's salacious. It's teen drama. There's there's queer issues. There's uh, there's a, one Muslim. I might just go. Yeah. <laughs> there's a Muslim family that obviously comes up against the very like Judeo Christian white Spanish surroundings. It's obviously socioeconomic split. There's mind games that involve so much like surprisingly kinky sex for high schoolers. Like there's one couple they've been together, uh, Carla and Paolo. Uh, Carlo and Polo and they're probably 16 and like mm-hmm. their kink in their relationship when you first meet them in season one is that like they can only get off on each other if they're like watching the other one have sex with somebody first so they're like okay. staging affairs Ooh. while the other one like watches voyeur style and then they can be turned on enough to go with each other and it's like you're, you're juniors in high school at this I, point I these are advanced say, problems that's why we keep I, kink at pride because <laughs> teenagers are fucking all right no, I, I went to high school in Orange County and let me tell you what there's no such thing as a surprising amount of kink for oh high god. schoolers oh my god wow I went to high school in Orange County too and I agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, I went to high school in a cornfield, and I basically did. They, too, I'm yeah. sure they were. Everyone else was. I, I wasn't fucking, but I know other people were. 
Well, but isn't the isn't the word now, according to studies, that teens aren't having Gen Z teens aren't having sex, and they're also like they like don't have friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a report that was like forty percent of teens say that they're they've not had sex, and then it was like a full twenty percent I think said they don't consider themselves having a single friend. Damn. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. Yeah. Like not a one. This is what I'm saying. I, I know the teens are leading, like they're leaving school. They're leading climate marches at this point. Greta yeah, Thunberg is, is traveling yeah. across the world, the United Nations to do it. But apparently they don't have friends. So I'm still worried about the teens. I'm still worried. But but I'm especially Ooh. worried about the teens of elite, <laughs> but in a way that I want to return to their problems over and over and over again. And I hope they don't solve their problems. Yes. <laughs> so then are you done campaigning for Hustlers? Because I thought for sure you were going to come in and talk about that. <laughs> no? I, hustler, hustlers will actually come up in this conversation <laughs> okay, about okay. Suspiria. Perf. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't it? it? I have, I have, I, I wrote it down to where like <laughs> oh, it's in my notes. There's a second it, page. In it, oh yeah. No, these there's are, a, these are the first two pages and then we connect to. Uh, half page three with hustlers underlined on half page three okay well a queer wolf listener tweeted me about hustlers because of the britney spears moment and <laughs> i feel seen yep yep absolutely <sighs> so yes. i would like to talk about american horror story season two okay and i'll season do it in a two. spoiler or not season oh, wait. two. Oh, <laughs> wait season like 1984 nine. Nine. wait actually okay. see look this is already my insides trying to tell you about my favorite season because i love season two mm-hmm. so are you uh, talking are you meaning to talk no, about apocalypse? i meant to talk about 1984 okay which oh, is on okay. episode two episode two How but i won't it? do any spoilers i just it's uh it's whatever and here's the thing <laughs> yeah it, but it it's my aesthetic so mm-hmm. it's hard to explain because it's like they're all wearing crop tops and short shorts and tube socks. And like, it's like, this is, I'm like, what? And they're doing everything as a reference to every horror movie I've How's ever seen. How's Cody Fern doing? Which one is Cody Fern? Is that the blonde? He's the, Xavier. Yeah. yeah. Good. Everybody's Great. doing good. Um, you and, know, but they don't have a lot to work with. Sure. And, and, but no one has looked better than Angelica Ross looks in 1984. Oh, <laughs> duh. Sure. Yeah. Her Agreed. hair. Agreed. Is my favorite thing. Yeah. It's like a beautiful dessert. Got it's, it. She's it. Incredible. I um, love Gus. I think he's adorable. Can't act to save his life, and I love watching it because it feels very authentic. Sure, yeah. 1980s slashers, that actually really works. Does this get a, Does it get away with the fact that it's working from an era where quality isn't – like, is it leaning That's too hard on that? Is it working? The, That's where my issue is. Okay. I think that actually it doesn't know when it's doing that. Okay. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. And they have a lot of opportunities for scares, but they're not shot in a scary way. Oh, okay. And so the problem is there haven't been any – there's been no scares in it, and it, and because it's all been tropes and like cycling through the same plots, there's no there's nothing fresh happening really. Okay, and so there, we're just getting a replica. There mm-hmm. is one very American horror story wrinkle in episode two that I'm interested, and in. I hope yeah. they follow that because yeah, it's been a very straightforward kind of mundane okay. slasher thing. Yeah, but I'm really waiting for that episode three, episode four, where they completely change what the show's about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so Classic. Kevin will be here next episode. You yeah, know, it'll be all witches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Pepper's gonna why, show up. <laughs> That's yeah. why Apocalypse was so good oh because the, of the re-emphasis on Coven. Friends, like that's Apocalypse, when I stopped watching. Apoc- I never made it that far. No, I I didn't. I'm not. I didn't consistently catch up before Apocalypse. Then I was like, oh, they're bringing Coven back. I need to tune in for all that. Right, right. And it was the best season in years. It's, Nay, have you started watching Apocalypse oh yeah, that's on Netflix? What I'm going to be talking yes. about. Yes, okay, oh, gotta hear your thoughts. Because I only made it to three episodes into Apocalypse, and then I fell asleep and I woke up and suddenly the witches were there, and I was like, hold up, what? It becomes never... a different. Becomes a different show. Okay, it becomes a different show. Mm-hmm. Do but, I keep watching? Oh yeah, the kids okay. that it revolves okay. heavily around at the start of that season almost 
become irrelevant quite quickly. Which is the smartest I kind move. of need that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're like – they're almost like a MacGuffin. They're like a plot MacGuffin. I, I really actually like the strong start of the season that you're about to talk about. <laughs> and I – but I feel like most of the seasons have a really strong start. I don't feel like nine ha- 1984 has a strong start. But okay. I am curious to what you'll say about it. Mm. But I – I mean, watch it, I mean, right? I am contractually obliged to keep watching until the end of this new season. Absolutely. So you'll be hearing back. And Michael's going to be catching up with it, too. So we'll. Okay. As long as we'll it keeps cropping, chats. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> keep cropping. Oh, yeah. And I, I do like in typical Ryan Murphy style, it seems like there's going to be about 11 different killers in this show. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's exhausting. <laughs> Which. No, I'm happy because. the you, you basically Also true. The, that very pretty little liars as well. Oh, oh, right. God. Yeah, that's very right. pretty little life. It is. But just it like is. the first half of this show is like 18 different tropey beginnings to a slasher okay. movie. It's like we hit someone with the car. Someone from the past <laughs> is mad at me. And just like 18 different things. Like each character oh, yeah. basically has a different horror movie set up. Here's Got a serial it. killer you know and love. I will say this. I wish there was a series spinoff just dedicated to um, Emma Roberts' backstory. She has like a two oh minute God. scene um, in a wedding, in a wedding dress while White Wedding's playing. Give me that. Give me that aesthetic. Give me those like giant shoulders. I want all of like that weird Diane, Princess Diana wedding dress. Like I want all of it. As someone who worships at the feet of the neon demon, fine. Give me something that's just music videos. Yes. But just give it to me. Make it be the thing. Uh, make it about the thing that I absolutely love. Mm. You've got me. I'm in. Same. I will accept your self indulgence because it is my indulgence as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. So apocalypse. Oh my god! I watched the whole thing. Oh, oh, oh my! So you did. It's done. Two days. Okay. Yes. Yes. You know, it came out Tuesday at midnight, and I was oh, waiting. Right. Okay. I was like, I've been counting down since they announced the date. I, that was what you were okay. I, that's yes. what you were tweeting. But I was like, okay, that must be when it hits streaming. Yes, okay. when it hits streaming. Yeah. Um, which is when I always wait for it, almost always. Um, and then. It didn't come out right at midnight on the dot, so then oh, I no. deleted my tweet because I was like, "You're a dumbass," and it's actually oh. tomorrow. Um, but then 18 minutes later, it popped up, and I was oh, like, thank "Damn, God. okay." Because uh, I was I was going back to like reply to that tweet, and I was like, "Where'd yeah, it go?" Well, I'm nuts. So I, I love to delete tweets. So um, live your life, Nate. Yeah. So watched it all. L- love it. I was I, so entertained in the very beginning. It was. I've never felt this way about. Um, like an end of days type of movie mm. uh, or or show, mm. but I was almost too uncomfortable to watch it. Interesting. Because as soon as I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think it's it's called Apocalypse, so we all know it's what it's about, right? But um, when they show that text, the warning come in to everyone uh-huh. about missile inbound to L.A., uh-huh, uh-huh. I wanted to throw up. Yeah, yes. that okay. was it was yeah, a little same. too real. Okay. okay. Um, the the miracle mildness of it all. Yeah, it was really. That's where I live. It was really <laughs> terrifying. Um, so I, but I was like, you have to watch this. You're not going to not watch it. So uh-huh. then I powered through, and it quickly became a kind of scary that I like. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, and what's wild is that actually last week as I was preparing, I was like, you know what? I haven't watched Coven in a long time, so I'm going to watch it, not knowing that they bring Coven into this. Oh, yeah. Oh, perfect. So last wow. week I had watched like not all of, but like lots of Coven. And so that was really perfect. I was yep. like, oh, thank God that I just refreshed on this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. And I also really love, because I think, I don't know what a lot of people think of when they hear apocalypse. I know people think of the end of the world, but I don't know if they always think about um, like what's causing the end of the world Mm. and like 
I don't think they necessarily link it to the Antichrist, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. my background, of course, I'm going to link oh, yeah. the apocalypse <laughs> to the Antichrist. And so I found that really like intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh, okay. I like that. Um, so I loved it. Of course. It was a great ensemble in the, 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 the bunker setting. Yes. That they mm. did. <sighs> that was one of the best, I feel like concentrations of obviously his, his, sort of Ryan Murphy players um, ensemble is great, but the the particular personalities they had in that setting Truly, were so fantastic. I think for someone who's obsessed with Sarah Paulson and Kathy Bates, oh like I God, got so yes. much of them oh that it my was, God. Ugh, it was just excellent. <laughs> and then um, why am I forgetting this person's name? Uh, Jeffrey. No, the, the old, the old white lady. It's not, it's not the, Jacqueline Bissett. It's uh, no. Joan Collins. No shit. Who is I'm, that? <laughs> literally the only name coming to mind is Jessica Tandy. And that's is it Jessica not Lang? who is it. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. Jessica Lang. Mm-hmm. There was, there's this part with her and I'm, I mean, I'm obsessed with her too, but they really, I feel like did some things with her. She's not as present in this season, but they really did some things with her. They really, that I was just like delighted by. So her reintroduction oh, yeah. to the show yes. when you see her is like, this absolutely is what my my yeah. soul has mm-hmm. yearned for. Yes, since I ha- I stopped seeing her in this show. Yes, exactly. It is, it is to me. It was it was the. I mean, I will apologize for the last season of True Blood all the live long day. Like that was <laughs> pure fan service, and they just went for it. I feel like this was the. I feel like what they accomplished in Apocalypse was that kind of fan service that was pretty fucking much a catastrophe at the end of true blood but it just worked like it it just Oof. it was like they read the message boards ryan murphy read the message boards and right. responded very well to that it was yeah and loved it i love how yeah. every male witch is gay pretty oh, much yeah. absolutely you got your bd wong cheyenne jackson billy porter yes. Billy yes. porter's so good so good yes. you know emmy winner cheyenne. emmy winner billy porter Correct. that's the world we live in now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- so titty complimenter cheyenne jackson <laughs> oh yeah, yeah never that's forget right. that he complimented my titties i don't want anyone to ever forget that <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm not saying that for me. I'm saying that for all of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone needs to know. Um, it's important. Ugh, yeah. So loved it. Good. I'm but really good. glad you liked it. I feel like I, I always love them. Like, I love two. I love six. Yeah. I love all of them. Six was good, too. I I love six. Six. That is that? No. Five That's is Roanoke. Hotel. Yeah. Roanoke. 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 Yeah. Oh, I love five. That's what got me back in. The beginning, the beginning of, of Roanoke was, to, to me, maybe the scariest they've yes. actually managed to be those like mm-hmm. with that yes. home invasion perspective that you go through mm-hmm. with her i was sitting watching mm-hmm. with a friend we were in the living room uh when i when i we lived together and it was just i mean we were i was gripped i was like holy shit like i've always enjoyed the camp of this show but this is like one of the first mm-hmm. times i've been frightened mm-hmm. by it in a long mm-hmm. time oh, i think God. that's my favorite kathy bates role mm, okay out of all of them. oh yeah because i mean obviously she's good in coven but i <clears throat> hate her yeah. <laughs> in that season yes. um so yeah so good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes how are you brennan oh god i mean i have two weeks of stuff but i'm gonna try Correct. and carve it down <laughs> i did <laughs> with a caveat that i've never seen the show i did watch the downton abbey movie <laughs> oh um, i'm told it's like a warm bath i was dragged by sergio <laughs> to see this movie um it made me like 800% more socialist to watch. Oh, great. Um, you know, it's for those who don't know, you know, it's the upstairs downstairs of this British manor house. Yeah. And we get to see what the fancy rich people are up to and what the servants are up to. And it's all leading up to this visit from the king and queen in the mm-hmm. early like 1910s or 20s mm-hmm. or some shit. I don't know. Right. Um, it's 
interesting. Mm -hmm. And look, I'm approaching this as someone who does like, you know, an 18th century British comedy of gentility. Mm. Like (laughs) I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Jane Austen. Um, But this movie, I, again, I can't speak for the show, but it feels like a bunch of Brits putting on British drag to sucker the Americans. (laughs) I was like, this is nothing. Like it's, it's, it's a bunch of razzle dazzle of, (laughs) fancy British words in tea. And I'm like, I, I'm not buying a second of this. Um, but yeah. So have you seen I, love and friendship? I love love. And okay. Friendship. I was going to say that. I, I feel like that might be right up your alley. Yeah. And oh, I've, I've loved that one well, recently. Jane Austen invented the anti-heroine. Lady Susan is one of the best characters in English literature. Um, <laughs> Kate Beckinsale is great. Um, anyway, so, um, Kate Beckinsale is great. Yes. Semi-spoiler alert, but not really if you've seen the trailer. Um, there is a gay kiss in this movie. There's actually several. In the Downton movie? In the Down- in oh, Downton okay. Abbey, yeah. Um, there is a... There is... I mean, look, obviously this is a film about class and about wealth. But there is some weird stuff that I don't think they knew that they were talking about. <laughs> um, because there's a Sounds part... like Todd Phillips and Joker. <laughs> Haven't seen it yet, but (laughs) believe you. Right. Um, So again, semi like midway spoiler alert. There's like a gay speakeasy at one point that one like that a gay character who's gay in the show Mm -hmm. um, visits and it gets busted up by the police. Um, They all get arrested. Mm -hmm. Um, And the gay character that we're following, he is friends with the guy who's a servant in the royal family. So Mm -hmm. he gets let out because of this guy's connections. Mm -hmm. And then they, you know, wander off into the sunset and things are great. And I'm like, what about the dozens of gay men who are currently incarcerated that we're not paying attention to. Right. Um, it's, is, you know, viewing it as a, as a gay person, just, it's kind of intense. Sure. Yeah. And it was just, again, you know, it's, it's the thing of like, Oh, it's set in the time. That's what would have yeah. happened. But also we didn't have to see any of this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, it's it, kind of like, if you can't do it, don't do it sort of thing. Yeah. It was like, because the way they handled his relationship was very modern mm-hmm. and very progressive and very much like, I hope people will one day see it the way we see it. Right. Um, <laughs> look at the 2019 audience and wink. Yep. Um, yep. But I'm like, yeah, there's still a bunch of gay men in prison and things are not going to go great for them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But the two handsome white men escaped. So thank God. <laughs> um, thank goodness. But speaking of 18th century women's literature, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> In case you don't know, uh, my boyfriend Sergio is an English grad student. And sometimes I, you know, he exposes me to really cool things. I've been reading a novel along with him for one of his classes. Um, it's called The Female Quixote by Charlotte Lennox. Okay. Um, <laughs> it came out about 50 years before um, Jane Austen started writing. Mm-hmm. And it, she was like a huge inspiration on her. Got it. Um, it. Is anyone familiar with the story of Don Quixote by mm-hmm. Miguel Cervantes? Yeah. yeah. Um, for, for anyone in the audience who isn't, I always try to remember that even if the room knows, I should probably explain a tiny bit. It's about a guy who thinks he's a hero, but he's basically just deluded. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is about... <laughs> Wouldn't you know? I know. Doesn't sound anything like our reality right yeah. now. Right. Men never can't, do that. I can't relate. <laughs> can't relate. But but this is a, about a woman who grew up in the countryside with only her father and a bunch of romance novels. And she just assumes she's the heroine of this grand like romance of antiquity. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, anytime a man walks like past her on the street, she's like... This man intends to ravish me and take me away and kidnap me away from my kingdom. Um, and she's always, she, she literally jumps into a river to avoid a man at one point. Right. And she assumes that 
um, it's a base offense for men to declare their love to her. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to be truly, like, morally in love with a woman according to her rules, mm-hmm. you have to suffer in silence for at least 10 years, perform great works in service of your mistress, mm-hmm. and, like, all of these things. And basically, anytime someone says they love her, she just banishes them from her sight. <laughs> Um, and she assumes I mean, that yeah, I've been working on that, that with a therapist. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but she then assumes that they are so distraught by this that they immediately perish, <laughs> and she just like wow. imagines this perish. trail of corpses in her wake. Basically, it's a truly hilarious novel. <laughs> Center yourself. Wow. Um, <laughs> does she block them and then try and find them on all social media? <laughs> they're, they're actually there. Um, she has a foolish servant character. Um, who is so perplexed by everything that she says that she just has no idea what's going on. And Shout out to my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the female Quixote is constantly like, I will not receive the letter from this man because it will contain, or contain such contemptuous, you know, missives of my love or whatever. Right. Um, but every time she gets a letter, she tries to send it back, but then she talks herself into reading the letter. Uh-huh. She's like, or what if it isn't? I, you know what? I should probably open it. Uh-huh. Let's figure out what this letter says. Um, it's really great. Um, <laughs> zooming back to 2019. <laughs> Cut to. I also really like the new Carly Rae Jepsen song. And this is the most, like, you know, basic gay I've ever been. Um, but it's called Want You In My Room. Carly's undeniable. It's, like, I... I love Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah, like, I'm I'm, I'm a, a fan and not, like, a super fan uh-huh. in general. But I... I was on YouTube randomly and I saw that her new song came out like 20 minutes ago. I was Mm. like, let's check this out. And typically, you know, Carly's verses are kind of boring until you hit the really great chorus. (laughs) And no, no, I'm not, please, please go ahead and be wrong. Please. Okay. (laughs) No, but this first verse, I was like, okay, like I see what you're doing. You know, it's typical like bubblegum pop, which I love bubblegum pop, but there's some stuff where it's like, I don't, the the metaphors are a little hokey. Um, But then, the song gets swallowed up by like an ELO song from the seventies and a bunch of like vocoder robots start, start singing and it just it swept me away. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, it's a great song. It's a I, really good I song. agree with you. Actually, I really like that album. I think it's a strong album. If you like that I song, do too. I like the whole will. album. Yeah. I like the whole it's album. It's just good all the way through. Yep. It is. Top to bottom. What are just like some Carly Rae Jepsen songs? I mean, Call, Call Me Maybe is oh, okay. her big song. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have heard that. And then there's yeah. that ter- the grocery store. The one I store. don't like. Oh, I love the grocery store. Are you talking like, oh, the I'm store. just going to the store to the I, store? I, oh, I no, I meant I've heard oh. that song. I, oh, okay. I love the store. I reference that I all the time and the I forget store. that that's not a song people know. So then when it was like, oh, yeah, let's. It's the it's from her B-sides that she released. Literally, and yeah. you know what? I'm Carly dig up the disco album out of your backyard and give us the disco album. (laughs) You're the one that told me about that. Yeah. Yeah. She's (laughs) like, I have a disco album. It is buried in my backyard. No, give me the disco songs. Oh my God. Yeah. Give me the pop. Listeners. If you know where Carly Ray lives, just tweet us (laughs) and we will have an adventure. Wait. So what song don't you like Sam? Oh, it's the one, uh, Good time. Uh, that one, you know, oh, like, with Owl City, with Owl oh. City, but it's just well, yeah. but that's not her song. It was going to say it's Carly very much an Owl like. City song. It is, and I'm not yeah. an Owl an City. Owl just, City, wow, wow, yeah, what a phenomenon. What a moment, honestly. I. <laughs> Owls, how did that happen? How did Owl City he not happen when Savage Garden happened? How is that not like an overlapping time? How is it separate from one another? Owl City is like if you took Christian pop and then combined yes. it with, and you took, but you took Dashboard Confessional. And what was that? Uh, the the Garden State soundtrack. Oh, yeah, remember? the and shins. Yes, and you just put it all into one blender. God. I mean, that's like at 
at the time that like his first EP was coming out, like 2008, that was my exact Venn diagram. Um, okay, fair. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that, I, so, I was in like before fireflies ever happened. So I want, I want to make myself oh. believe that planet Earth turns slowly. It's like, well, it does, guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wow, I don't know what any of these words mean. I want to make like, myself oh, no. believe. His, him, him and that was good. Yeah, that well, was I mean, accurate. Happy like, to your karaoke nights. Listening to an L City song is like listening to an early Vampire Weekend song, where you're like, I have no idea what you're saying, <laughs> but it's it's good. <laughs> I currently have no idea what any of you. Want. Okay, sorry, sorry. Um, one last. No, you don't have to be sorry. It couldn't be more white. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. well, I think Tragic there's like huge gaps Tragically in my white. knowledge. Like as a child, it was what I could sneak in, mm. right? Uh-huh. And then as an adult, I, mm, I would say ninety nine point nine percent of the time, do not listen to white musical artists. Fine. Yeah. Fine. So I'm like, I don't know. We've got. Songs we've all got to have our personal filters. There's a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. There. There's a lot to take in. No. Yeah. No one's mad here. I know no. somebody. Uh, I know somebody who won't watch anything with the word "star" in the title. Uh, <laughs> okay. I was like, but Battle Star Galactica is more like a drop. She was like, it has "star" in the title. I won't. <laughs> so, I won't. I was like, a star is born. No, thank you. Yeah. No. It was really? my previous research editor, Joanna Pearlstein. Hard and fast rule. I have no interest in anything with "star" in the title. Wow. You gotta respect it. Okay. Yep. Into it. <laughs> I um, love boundaries. Right? Yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, but yeah. One last thing, just real quick, because uh, the, the music video for this song that I'm talking about is also fun. Um, you know, it's kind of a <laughs> throwaway kind of her room expands into like this big world. Right. Yeah. Um, but also, I just love that the romantic interest in it looks like a normal person mm-hmm. and isn't like super ripped and crazy hot. He's just like, <laughs> it's a sexy, like lust song about this guy who looks like a guy. <laughs> yeah. And I felt, I mean, really our first seen. romantic song that broke out was a uh, music video about a guy who liked another guy. Yeah. So, but also that guy was fu- right. stupid hot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, so I just, I liked that there was just a normal guy walking around and she liked him. And I was like, thank you, Carly. I feel seen. I have interviewed Carly Rae Jepsen and she was a goddamn delight. And I, I, I rooted for her before, but now like I root for her on many, many levels now where I just want the absolute best for her at every turn. Oh. <laughs> and we hope she gets it. Absolutely. So other wow. things. Yeah. Well, we have a really long movie to talk about. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and, and I don't that's know. That's the shady summary. <laughs> right. Right. I don't know if anyone else prepared shady summaries. I'm going to read Michael's okay, that he yeah. texted to us. Um, and so I can start. Michael, shady summary. You shade Suspiria 2018, and I'm going to sickle you. And then he- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess Michael loves it. Courtesy of PR, I do have one of those rib-shaped sickles in my home. That's so cool. It is the best PR mailer I've ever gotten. It's actually made of metal. It's actually gold, and it's borderline sharp. Whoa! Oh, I you could I, I could go into soft tissue with that thing for okay. sure. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I got one, Michael. So, yeah. My shady summary is: so I guess witches just eat with their hands. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the knowing nod mm-hmm. um, mine is uh, whiteness run amok in a German dance school Ooh. it's a muck <laughs> a muck um, and mine is shit breaks bad at Tilda Swinton's school of severe hair parting <laughs> <laughs> um, very severe truly um, and we do have one from our Facebook group Yay. Attack of the Queer Wolf Pack oh, good. Um, it's from our listener Marianne who says you got your naked modern dance in my witchcraft <laughs> Oh, do we You're want, not wrong. Do You're we not want wrong. the trailer? 
Yeah, why not? <clears throat> yeah, let's live a little. I haven't, I haven't recalled the trailer in a long time. I wonder what we're actually going to get from this. And I've never seen the trailer. I have no idea because I pulled this clip like a month ago when we were originally going <laughs> to do this episode. So we'll find out. At the beginning, she gave me things. Perfect balance. Perfect sleep. Oh, she wants to get inside of me. I can feel her. Wow. <laughs> she can see me. When you dance the dance of another, you make yourself in the image of its creator. I feel like I'm not even here yet. <laughs> the dumplings. Incredible. One, two, three. The way she transmits her work. You have to decide what is it you want to be for this company. There's more in that building than what you can see, Doctor. You are living with dangerous people. Dun, dun, dun. I'm laughing at that because it's like a next time on Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> what? How? What are you talking about? So? Just like non sequitur, non sequitur, non sequitur music. <laughs> and upselling <sighs> Chloe Grace Moretz because at the time, like to our American eyes, probably the most marketable star. Um, mm. Chloe dispatched shortly in the film. Well, Jordan, what do you want our listeners to know? right off the bat about this remake. Uh, I want everybody to know that this is a movie inspired by the original, but is in no way meant to evoke what the original conveys. This is not an attempt at creating, recreating gritty 1970s giallo. It's not an attempt to be a neo giallo film. Really. Uh, It is doing its own. It is doing its own thing and certainly makes more sense in the, the canon of Luca Guadagnino with movies like I am love and a bigger splash than uh, it does in like the tradition of like Baba or Fulci. So if you if you want original Suspiria, do watch that. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't, don't hate this movie for not being it. Hate it for other reasons. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't think you should, but you can. But not because it is uh, Argento's Argento's classic. Hate it because they eat chicken salad with their hands. <laughs> don't hate it because it's not a job. <laughs> Guys, they had forks on the plates. They were right on the plates. <laughs> So wait, but really, I, and I missed a question for Brennan just because you know everything. Yes. Is that a witch thing? Because I Googled it. I was trying to find out. And Eating is it like a fabled, hand. like that they, like, is it a beast kind of thing? Like they were being savage? I don't know. Am are I you, reading what, too are much Are you talking it? about the, the scene when, with Blanc when, and Susie? Or? Yeah. And they're just sitting there ignoring their they're eating. They're eating chicken on bones though. Do you eat, do well, you eat wings with, with knife and is. fork? Tilda is, but not Dakota. I'll pick at chicken with my fingers. She's just picking things up, and it's a full salad. I mean, maybe she's responding to Tilda eating with her hands, so she's like, "Oh, okay." I like that in the well, in the in the boudoir with like our caftans on. We eat with our hands. Oh my god! And I just legit wrote it down to ask Brennan because <laughs> look, yeah, but I, maybe there's a wicked this is a real tradition. Ask Brennan moment. I can't speak for which culture. Okay, um, but I would. I will say if I'm eating a dinner. Um, and my my f- food is sat in front of me, and not everyone has like come to the table yet. Like you know, it's wrong to start eating because you gotta wait. But I will definitely pick things up off my salad with my hands because that is gets around the rule of like, oh, this is just I'm just grabbing a crouton, I'm just grabbing a leaf of lettuce. Right. It's fine. And I think too, I think they're at the end. Like I think we've reached them at the end of dining. Like the, there there's food like tape like Tilda's down to the bones of her chicken wing. Absolutely. And so I think maybe I think we're at the grazing <laughs> you stage. You're right. I think we're at the grazing stage of the meal with for Susie in her Amish wear. And Jordan really brought chicken wings. I just want everyone to know there is, I smelled them when I opened the studio door. There, is there chicken in here? Is yeah. there an appropriate snack for there this There are film? lemon pepper wings in the studio. 
<laughs> for the occasion. <sighs> so more importantly, mm-hmm. how do we feel about Dakota Johnson's gap? Um, it's going to come up, right? Because it's gone now. I she, miss it, and I love her. It. And she As misses it. As she said, it. will yes. you please respect my privacy at this time? Like, I was having jaw problems. <gasps> and she said Ugh. she's going to try and get it back, and, yeah. I, and I want that for her. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate I'm just the- covering all the important parts of this film. <laughs> yeah. As in, it is no. important. I I would – I think – well, I know we're – well – Sorry, I started like three sentences and then changed my mind. <laughs> um, I know there's like certain things, especially teeth in America. Like mm-hmm. there's like mm. ideas about what's a nice looking set of teeth and mm-hmm. whatnot. But what? When did it start where gaps were really fashionable? Good question. You know, I don't know because where that it began. definitely began. And I feel like as I, when I was a kid, I I wanted one. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because Madonna had one I, when I was a kid. I don't know what our uh, everybody's. I'm wondering who, like in '90s fashion, would it, like Kate Moss doesn't really have a like a gap, but she doesn't have like classically beautifully straight teeth either, and she was peaking around that time, and that was like you know around our youth era. That's we're getting into like the sort of heroin chic CK one phase. <laughs> and what's wonderful about Dakota's Gap is that it's just so playful like her i feel like <laughs> it's really charming playful. it's a charming gap on a charming person i stand dakota you know this absolutely i watch how to be single every five minutes uh, <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies of all time one of the best ways to get to get like cheap fulfill like hitting the easy button on twitter post about dakota johnson and the stands will find you I, like like, yep. like 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 thank you dakota stands. obsessed I, I i i support them supporting her they are devoted We've, so seeing her in this role was shocking i think and perfect casting i know i think so too i and i you know i'm wondering how we want it because i know we're, we're yeah. sort of at odds today me and nay really like this movie and sam and brennan don't so how like what's our plan like do we want to start with all right do we present like point counterpoint or how do we <laughs> i like this <clears throat> how do we work through this mm, i think a, a point counterpoint <clears throat> sounds really fun yeah i, I think okay. it's important we to get note one minute the, you know. Im- important <laughs> to to note that as this is different from the original there is a much bigger thread that runs through the remake um that builds out the running time a little bit of Luca Guadagnino uh, emphasizes the uh, sort of terrorist attacks throughout that are happening throughout divided Berlin in 1977 that are being carried out by the Beta Meinhof group. Oh, and you know, this is actually a really good place to jump in the conversation. And so like Susie arrives in Berlin at a time, Susanna Banyan arrives in Berlin <laughs> at a time of great political unrest and uh, Chloe Grace Moretz's character, um, her disappearance at the hands of the witches is blamed on the fact that she was a radical uh, sympathi- a sympathizer with the radicals in the city and that she left to go join to go join them and, and you know commit acts of disruption throughout the city and so that tension outside the school is something that pops up every so often in a way that is not emphasized the the reality of the outside world is much more present in the remake than it is in the original mm-hmm. and that's what I that, that'll be my first point okay because Look, I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, tear up Suspiria brick by brick, no, no. but I'm just not a fan, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that stuff to be really inorganic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fact that this movie, the original Suspiria, came out in 1977. Mm-hmm. It was set in Germany because it is a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. So it's set in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's completely arbitrary to set it in Germany in 1977. I think the only reason behind that creative decision was because we're referencing the original Suspiria. And I don't think that there's a lot of 
actual meat to the political thing they chose specifically? I think they I think you have that era of time and so that is the conflict that that is the conflict that exists at the time and mm-hmm. they run they emphasize so much the importance of that this is a hangover of the conflict that existed in World War II mm-hmm. and the oppressive force of the Nazis around the school and what Madame Blanc Tilda Swinton's character was able to do protecting the school keeping it running keeping it functional uh throughout the th- throughout World War II and the Reich occupation of country that is returned to time and again, and it is also because that is a hangover of the Reich. They also position women and their female community in direct opposition to the patriarchal oppressive structure of the Reich, which is something that uh, Mia Goth's character Sarah mm-hmm. directly presents to Susie when we meet her in the hotel room. She says to her, like, when the Reich just wanted women to keep their mouths shut and their uteruses, like, in, in operation, Madame Blanc stepped up and, you know, basically said no and and kept this sort of – this preserve – of uh, this coven, uh, you know, in the literal <laughs> sense and in the colloquial sense that we use it now, um, preserve the integrity of it and the functionality of it and the artistic spirit of it, despite that conflict. And I, I think, like, it, the politics of it get a little in the weeds, like the way mm-hmm. they're talking about the specific, like, the kidnapping and the bargaining for the hostages. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the center of that, the executive that kidnapped was, as they say, like, a, a former Nazi SS soldier who's now the um, director of the Employees Association in Germany. Mm-hmm. And so the Bader-Beinhof group kidnapped him. And so, yeah, I that is my that is my reason for saying, like, while it wasn't the most, like, fluid insertion of of extra plot into the movie, I think the end of what it res- achieve end game of what it achieves for me. No, and up. I I get that, but in the sense of where it centers around the male Tilda Swinton character <laughs> and the uh, Ken. Oh. Ken Ken Ken, it's okay. <laughs> come here, come here. It's all good. Come here. Oh, hey, pup. Our, wow, our, our fifth guest for the evening. Right. <laughs> he always makes himself known somehow. You know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> to jump in on that, okay. uh, my my take on the point counterpoint situation. Um, I I actually really enjoyed the setting. I thought that it. Uh, I thought the subtle ways that it pointed to what was happening with gender mm-hmm. were awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I the hard part for me is the way it was delivered. I, okay. Just because it was constantly like news reports and there were things that I'm looking at on a TV and I'm overhearing in conversation. It's just I, I just the way that I process stories. It, it it kept pulling me in different directions that made it hard for me to pay attention. And I know that's mm-hmm. self. And at first I was like, oh, maybe it's because I was on my phone, which is true. That was the first time <laughs> I saw it uh, because I just kept pulling it out, and uh, because it, that's how I felt watching it. Like so the second time, I'm like, I'm not going to f- do that this time. Like I I did my research. I read about the time period. I want to be really invested, and I still felt that little tug that was like. Hey, check your notifications, <laughs> you know, which to me is just it's just the storytelling isn't as tight as I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed mm-hmm. the setting, yeah. just didn't like that delivery. Sure. And this might come out a little more savage than I intended to, but it felt to me the way that all the Nixon inserts and in scary stories to tell in the dark felt mm. where I was like, this is just it's very window dressing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the the shadow of the Holocaust and the world war and the war. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking about specifically all of the news footage about the Bader Meinhof situation right. yeah i would yeah I'll, I'll, yeah I'll agree they didn't it was not user-friendly in that in that approach it was <laughs> certainly like it, it didn't it didn't seem like it was uh conceived of and implemented with with the audience in mind truly like it, it was to fulfill this complete picture and then like you add into that to his interstitials with like meta like the nightmares and like weird metaphysical stuff happening i love those and i and i was like <laughs> 
I didn't, didn't, I didn't know care for them, but I didn't care that they were there. It wasn't like, God, I wish these were gone. It was like, okay, this is a dalliance. Like I permitted, <laughs> I permitted Luca the indulgences because it seemed, it felt important to him to create this atmosphere. So I was like, okay, I'm enjoying this atmosphere so much. Like, yes, I, I, I respect your desire to put this in here. I rewound one. <laughs> it's like, I need to see all of these images. And I rewound something I did, in a two I, and a half hour movie. So. I did rewind. <laughs> I did want to watch over and over again the, the levitating girl on the door mm-hmm. frame. Like, I, I did love that God, a lot. So good. That was the one I. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. It is so good. I, I, I needed the nightmares in there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Someone who has nightmares Ooh, all the time. For sure. I'm like, this. To just like contribute to the conversation of like what could be driving this person to this point or mm-hmm. like what could be influencing mm-hmm. how she feels in this space. Mm-hmm. I was like that. That was a big element to me mm-hmm. because it's like you never you don't get rest ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never. Well, well, a lot of, and the through line of the nightmares is something that all of the girls have. Like after yeah. Susie has her big nightmare and Sarah comes in to comfort her, like Christine and another dancer at the door. And they're like, oh, yeah, like mm-hmm. the, the like the, the Marcos Academy special. <laughs> what is what is Sarah? My dear, gorgeous Angel Mia Goth. Uh, she's like, yeah, I, I had dreams about hairballs and toilet balls for three weeks. In yes. toi- yes. Hairballs and toilet balls for three weeks before I got a good night's sleep here. And I mean, and what better way to wear someone down than to, than to, than to steal their sleep from them? You yeah. are right about yeah. that. Oof. Well, yeah, and it's it's in that narration that Chloe gives us at the beginning where she says, like, they took, like, at first I had perfect sleep. I had perfect balance. And then what contributes to the destabilization of that is the literal destabilization, destabilization mm-hmm. of her physical self that yeah. leads to the destabilization of her existential mental self. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, I, 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 the, I didn't need to understand all the little, the shattering mirror right, and the auras. Right. I didn't need to get every little bit of it. And I think that might be something where a movie like this, I give more permissions to, because I'm comfortable not needing to know about every little thing. As long as I feel like the piece is matched up at the end, I'm like, meh, <laughs> I see the whole big picture. Yeah. So fuck it. I like mm-hmm. I, those those few pieces. I didn't ever think I would find them, but now they're in there, and I don't need to question what they. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. So yeah, I as long as like the 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 overall scope uh, really landed with me. So I was I was plenty fine giving permissions to the digressions about the <laughs> finer well, points of terrorism and and political strife in the streets. Yeah, for for me, this is a problem entirely with me and not <clears throat> with the art form. Mm. But if a movie's longer than about ninety three minutes, mm-hmm. I start to have issues with it. Oh, um, it. Um, I think this tight. is it's tight ninety three. Oh, yeah, look, you I, hate twenty nineteen. I haven't seen a movie that's like under yeah, three hours no, this year. My perfect runtime is eighty two minutes. Um, Same. No, but look, I I kind of subscribe. I think Elric Kane of the Shockwaves podcast. This is kind of his philosophy of with if you're watching a movie. The movie gets the first 80 minutes free and needs to earn everything else. Okay. 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 Um, and when we're already battling through two and a half hours, I'm not as willing to allow the digressions. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. That's not a problem with the film. Right. But that's my problem watching the film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I just. And I that's going to, that yeah. that preference is going to inform your experience. So yes. Yeah, I, of, of course. Of course. Understand that. Yeah, art is completely subjective, yep. and I like my art to be 82 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. My original shitty summary for this was it's center stage, but twice as long and with more head explosions. <laughs> <laughs> but I really did like what it inverted about like the dance school 
kind of I, I'm used to what I love. Uh, this is just me, but I love those teen movies where like some dancer goes to a school and everybody has a problem with her. And yeah. then she rises up, even though mm-hmm. she's super normal. Yeah. Uh, like, like exhaustingly <laughs> <Right>. normal <laughs> and has way less talent than everybody else who worked really hard to be there. Yeah. But then she gets like that spotlight, but not Dakota. She had something special or mm-hmm. Susie. She had something special from the beginning and knew it. And mm-hmm. she wasn't afraid to identify it. She that very, moment, that is such a surprising thing. I think that like it's, tr- it's true of the character the entire time, but I think is an easy thing to be surprised by yes. her assertiveness from the absolute fucking jump. Yes. She gets there and Inspiring. she's like, she's like, mm-hmm. I thought Madame Blanc was going to be here. It's like, oh, well, you don't really deserve to be here. And she's like, oh, well, why? And then she gets yes. the opportunity to dance lead in bulk. And she's like, mm, I got it. I've watched it like a hundred yeah. times. <laughs> yes. At no point, like until she runs up against a barrier where it's like, fuck, this is hard. Is she actually questioning her ability or mm-hmm. her, her place in the school ever? She doesn't doubt herself. No. And I live for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like but, redheaded Dakota Johnson asserting God. herself. Yes. Oh God. Yes. In, <laughs> yes. look, wow. In honor of Michael, we need to talk about the wig. True. Because True. look, <laughs> I, I think she has a timeshare with Nicole Kidman's wig in Big Little Lies. <laughs> um, what, mm-hmm. what uh, narrative purpose does this wig serve? Do we think? That was more of a joke, but it's no, no, out I, of control. No, because it, it is, it's so in a movie that's also so, and it's got to be like purposeful in a movie that's so muted. Like you are coming from a tradition of a movie that's so saturated by sexual lighting and <laughs> you, and then you go into this and he so intentionally erased the color palette and made everything beige and gray. And also then you a have, way to get on my bad side, by the way, there you go. Yeah. So there just you go. not, not, not my cup of tea. And then you have, you have Susie's like Archie from Riverdale hair and <laughs> it's a it, lot. It's I a think lot. It, it, it's a lot and it's but it's it's weird enough to make her it's something that that makes her stand out yes yeah. and it also does seem like as far as the like it, it is the most homely ass hair imaginable and if this girl's coming from the middle of fucking Ohio in like presumably a fundamentalist family and she shows up like mm-hmm. with her long ass hair that she clearly hasn't cut in years it takes years to get hair that long this is just uncared for unloved hanging hair I was like, yeah, okay, I, I buy that. She's not like Mia Goth's fucking bouncing curls <laughs> and her like atop her like camel overcoat with the luxurious hood. Like, could not have been more of a like a pristine picture of chic. And then you have like long Ohio flat hair. copper top. <laughs> I bought it. Like Ohio I mean, hair. This is no shade. You know what? To that. That's rude. I, I'm from the Midwest. You get to say um, it. You. you I don't know if it. that's what that means, but. I, I'm recanting that because, well, if Michael was here, he would be like, you're right, but <laughs> yeah. he's not. Well, I think she's a Mennonite as well. Yeah, I like, I, yes, that not, not the as, background, it's like the religious, we can't cut our hair, right. and you're modest, and yes, not as shade as Mennonites, but like the distance from materialism. Uh-huh. And it's, the, yes. it's like, that's like Amish adjacent. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. I have family no shade to them. I love them. Uh, I don't really know them, and they have <laughs> hair down to there because it's they're they're all re- they're religious, and that's and that's where they're from. Yeah. And like, and I would definitely believe that if one of them was trying to make it out in a new city and like went to the grocery store and picked up a box of red hair dye, that's what she would look like <laughs> after going to the supermarket and trying to feel it's sexy. True. So that's how I read the character. I don't think she really was a red. I mean, I guess we saw her flashbacks, but that's what I saw. Sure. Yeah. You're right. Sorry, guys. That's okay. And whenever I pick up a box of red hair dye, you already know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do we have a point from the opposing party? 
In regard to what? What about just how anything? Excellent just anything you want to raise about okay. how you love the movie? Oh, I well, what I I think because since we identified that we split in our sort of preferences of this movie along gender lines, and you <laughs> Again, said specifically I'm Brennan, yeah, as you, you should be. Yeah, <laughs> if I ever found myself in agreement with only men, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. I'm wrong. As soon as it happened, I was like, fuck, I better rethink Shit. this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, and you, so I, I wanted to know sort of like the, the, it seemed like the, cause, uh, my joking about like finding that out, like, oh, well, uh-huh. that means you're anti-women and you're like, well, that's actually kind of a problem, implying that maybe you feel like this movie does not necessarily honor. Oh, no, uh, subjects, that, or? that's not what I meant to imply. I okay. meant to imply that the work that I like the least in this movie is the work that's performed by men. Mm. Most specifically, the Tom York song that plays in Act Six. That is such a pull that I feel like this is this this is this is the most polarizing part of the movie. I had no problem with this, but I I know multiple people who like enjoyed the movie as well, and then they were like, "Fucking that Tom York song!" I well, it, I thought he did all the music. Can you tell me which part that no, is? It was no, where it's, he it's, sings. It's the, I have a clip of it. Okay, Would you please? please play? This is during the the Black Sabbath, please. right? Yes, it's yeah, it's during him that. singing through the Black Sabbath. Yeah, because he did oh. the score, and oh, that's right. fine. Yeah, but. Yeah, I, I want to hear why this is something that people hate so much. Well, just... Oh, I loved all of this. Okay, first of all, I don't need this man to intrude on this kind of cloistered feminine world. Okay. Where I was like, this is this is not your time. Sure, Please sure. go away. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I just find that Luca Guadagnino has really questionable taste in whiny white people music. Mm. Um, oh. The Look, Were you not I know, on board with the Call Me By Your Name Sufjan. soundtrack then? Absolutely not. Okay. <sighs> Well, that's uh, equal, look, this is the equal opportunity. Is my, equal opportunity. <laughs> my blood sugar of that song. It's so treakly and just... That like video, like is it a video one? Both of them. Oh, okay. But especially is it a video because okay. that's some nonsense. But um, it, look, <laughs> I don't mean to be like full claws out, but I am... I was really irritated by okay. that music and I like bubblegum music. It's just so saccharine. Okay. And in this one, it's it's just it it intrudes upon the movie okay. in a an act that's making a lot of bold choices, mm-hmm. not all of which I like. The frame rate is very strange. In <laughs> oh, when it's like breaks down, yeah. Once Susie has ex- uh, like become full, yeah. But it's just like I want to look at Dakota Johnson's chest vagina in peace, sure, without having to hear <laughs> Tom York crooning, mm-hmm. like just dripping into my ears. Mm-hmm. It's just. It doesn't work okay. for me. Okay, hard line in the sand, though, because I do, obviously, I'm Walking Away and it is not my favorite film. I think everything in, in like, part six was perfect. <laughs> I just was like... I love I oh, love the head explosions. The to, I love it. to that music, and this is why. But for the frailty and femininity of this man's voice, mm-hmm. I thought was an interesting choice because he is just trying to be beautiful mm-hmm. i mean you can hear it in the way in the strange way that he's singing it and it felt like a nice contrast for these women who are actually beautiful i don't know i mean <laughs> there's something majestic about the mon- like their, their monstrous nature but also the like power behind their femininity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. where in the song does it support any of this <laughs> right did i get it just like ethereal just like ethereal right. because i was like- thinking about badass like if you're thinking about like a bunch of like a group of like aggro guys doing something in some action movie and then you have like a choir of female voices behind them mm-hmm. as this contrast, that's pretty common. I feel yeah. like he was playing with the the opposite version of that. We have these women in power and then we have this ethereal male voice. Look, if Tom York had written a good song for X6. <laughs> and I then... like the song. No, again, 
Are, hey, it's completely I'm not, not to say that you have, uh, but like, yeah, I, no, and look, I don't, I'm, I, that was a little too mean. I'm sorry, Tom York. I'm sure. <laughs> hey, if you don't, if you fucking hate the song. Yeah. Like, look, do um, I wish it was Britney Spears? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it is. And I know that's the argument you're trying to what make. What Britney Spears song should have played? I oh think my God. phonography. Sometimes. Do you guys know that song? <laughs> oh, it's about, email uh, my heart. <laughs> well, it's actually kind of the sequel to email my heart. Okay. Email my heart is about, you know, whenever it is getting the emails. Yeah. yeah. And everyone's. Uh, Doing emails. That's the quote. <laughs> God, I love you. And phonography is like using all these sex references, but through like, you know, talking about somebody's phone mm-hmm. and being on their plan. It's very strange. <laughs> but that's why it would be perfect for this movie. Question mark. I just, I, I think Tom York is almost he, like he is a man. I also consider him as like an artistic presence. So to be almost human adjacent, <laughs> like I, 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 I think he strikes the, um, there are plenty of very good artists out there. Uh, he is such a feels like an intuitive choice to do something that feels mystical, that feels out of this dimension, that feels like crossing planes of existence. I'm like, yeah, that weird ass guy from Radiohead. Like, I have yeah. no, I have no dog in the fight for Radiohead. I, I hear they're great. Uh-huh. I, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not, that's not shade. No, We've I, already discussed how I don't know any. Of these people. Yeah, like I, I, I have I no. I, this is not going to be. I, I, this is not going to be, I, I don't get, you know, Bjork. Like, I, I understand that she's an important artist. And like, I feel like people who are very informed about music, like have a lot of thoughts about Radiohead and artists like Bjork mm-hmm. and this experimental kind of like avant-garde pop sound. I just like the way shit sounds or I don't. Yeah. And oh. I thought the sound of this, okay. I thought the, the sound of this applied very well to the, yes. to the world. of Sister. I loved it in the movie. This is not music. I would like ever outside mm-hmm. of the context of the movie. I find that true for most movies mm. because I, and because I don't have a very varied like listening <laughs> board of mm-hmm. music that I listen to. I usually end up liking artists because of their social media presence and mm-hmm. then later might find out that they make music <laughs> <laughs> and be like, oh, I don't like that music, but that's not against them because I don't like most music or something mm-hmm. or like yeah. I mm-hmm. would never have thought to like listen to that. But I think they're really funny on Instagram. Yeah, totally. <laughs> also, hey. You know, Tom York is not funny on Instagram <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like there is like film score music can be great for a movie, but you wouldn't want to listen to it in your car. Like, and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't mean to put an objective qualitative, like, stamp oh, you're, on oh, song. you're not at all. And um, I don't think given the context of who you are, anybody would assume you're doing that either. Thank that you. would be very outside of like the Brennan wheelhouse. <laughs> oh, you're, you're too kind. <laughs> thank you. Um, we know you're coming from a good faith place, but I think I figured out specifically what my problem is with it. Mm-hmm. Other than that. I just personally don't like the song. I mm-hmm. think if, if you hadn't, it's just the fact that it's a needle drop. It's a song. Okay. It's a lyrical song. Okay. It's, I mean, it's not a pop song, but if any, if any like actual, you know, complete like three minute song had been dropped in that space, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have liked it. Yeah. Um, I want a score for mm-hmm. this moment. I don't want I someone that. to be singing yeah. at me. I can. I, I spoke to Luca about okay. the end of this. Movie oh, receipts. Okay. Yes, I, sure, <laughs> I, I did a big piece on the Black Sabbath scene. I talked to the choreographer, uh, costume designer, Luca, uh, another one of our reporters got a quote for me, for me from Mia. Um, but he <laughs> spoke specifically about this song and he said, halfway through editing the sequence, I said to Tom York and Walter Fazano, my editor, that we had to instill a moment of deep melancholy because when you become, because when you become, you are evolving into a new person and you're mourning the end. 
It's the death of the previous version of yourself, which is what happens in the movie. We wanted to create a bridge between this fierce horror and this melancholic sadness. And he spoke too about, uh, I spoke to him too about there being this thread of melancholy in, in mm-hmm. the, the filmography that he has, like obviously. The phonography? In the phonography oh of Luca Guadagnino. And he talked about, um, like, that's obviously there in Call Me By Your Name. Like, that's that's the whole fireplace sequence of Call Me By Your Name. That's mm-hmm. um, in, in his, like, I think, like, Tilda Swinton trilogy that preceded this movie. There is a sense of longing and a sense of sort of yearning for that connective tissue to another person in all of these movies. And I think there, Tom York's voice is perhaps one of the most melancholic, like, popular art human voices that you can you'd be like i'm gonna get a a big name superstar to do the score to my movie i I think he is that person so i i think that sound attached to that sentiment uh it jibes a lot for me makes sense that's fair and just get lana del rey i don't even like lana del rey (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i don't have a rooting interest in lana we got them (laughs) which song (laughs) <laughs> no she could do the same song whatever uh, i just want to hear her talk about ipads and hi dad <laughs> while people's heads are exploding you know something that read to me this time through that didn't the first time which i don't know how and probably because i was on my phone um <laughs> the the queer nature of sarah and uh and Susie's relationship my dear sarah my sweet sarah when she says one and two and three and kisses steals her, steals that little kiss. Yeah, she steals a kiss, and 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 it was the. It's you didn't not see just that the first kiss. time. I did. I had a I couple friends. It, I had a couple friends who I remember talking to after the first time, like seeing it through. I was like, oh, and Sarah like kisses Susie on the cheek. They're like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah. When they're doing the first like half dress rehearsal, and she's got the Volt costume on, and she's got her wrapped around her, and they've had their. Yes. You've just come off the scene where they've had like Sarah consoling her yes. and and staying the night with her. Um, and, and you have the declaration of like, we're sisters now. And then the next morning that leads straight into like that, just that little kiss on the cheek. That felt like every crush that I would love to have again. (laughs) (laughs) Like looking at it, it was just like, oh yeah, I get what's going on here. That felt real and tangible. Yeah. I've literally never had anything that cute happen to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cute. Shit. So cute. It is. Also cute. I keep imagining Britney Spears in the Volk outfit. Oh, oh, she would rock. Oh, right. oh my Great. god! Right, I want yes. I want right. that to the song "Lace and Leather." Yeah. Oh my yes. gosh! Yes. <laughs> yeah. Where? Yes. <laughs> that episode I've been waiting for. <laughs> I also I put a call out to these LA rope freaks. I was like, "Who can make me a Volk dress?" <laughs> oh my god. I didn't yes. hear anything. Time for round two. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Need it. I need I, you in that. Yeah. There, this actually brings me into something that I, I, this w- brings me to the hustlers underlined okay, portion of the conversation. Ask. Okay, great. Yes. Um, that kiss, uh, one thing I love so much about this movie that I'm, I'm very, I'm shocked, honestly. Like, it, it, Luca Guadagnino is a queer man. He's a very empathetic filmmaker, obviously, but the nuances of that very female kind of connection that he does he he seems to ascertain that very well and very quickly in a very respectful way and here is a way that i realized when i was watching this again today and like last night um hour and a half on one trip hour and a half on the other yep um was that the thing that one the thing that stuck with me so much about hustlers that i despite all the like despite all the fun what made me love it the most was the immediate intimacy between Ramona and Dorothy. Like as soon as she sees, there's no establishing, there's no setup. She's a new girl at the club. She walks upstairs and JLo says, come in my fur. And she, <laughs> I mean, I've opens, said that. she opens up her, she opens up her jacket, her heart, 
her whole domain to her. And the first we see of them is them embracing and loving each other because they have this shared circumstance. So they already know they're, they already know they're on the same team. They're both dancers at this club and how that carried so consistently throughout the movie that there was this immediate sense of intimacy and connection. And not to say that like everybody's that open, but in the way that when you find a person that you really vibe with like that and I can't speak for how it is for other people. I feel like I see this in my my queer male friends as well. But that instant to just like, like when you see people, you're like, friend, can I hold your hand? Yeah, I do. Like you do, you will do that quickly. If yeah. you like identify that in a person as somebody I you want to share that with. Mm-hmm. And like it was, and I needed it. It was probably like the second time <laughs> I ever hung out with you that you yeah. were like, friend, can I hold your hand? Okay. And <laughs> that's, that's a little quick, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> and that, but like, it's not when your vibe is matching. Right, right. Yeah. And it was clear that we had similar energy energies that were complementing one another in that way. And then you have this, like in Hustlers, you have the, the girls at, at, at scores in, in the real club. And then in this movie, you have the the girls at the Marcos Dance Academy. They're all already united in that. So the immediacy of the connection between Sarah and Susie, how like the second time you see them together, they're sitting on on Susie's bed, sharing a blanket and they're holding hands and they're talking about like, you know, their nerves around the dances. And they've just in their first meeting, they have almost it's not really contentious, but Susie's clearly like the kind of scared animal. And Sarah's the really like worldly, you know, gorgeous, confident Mm -hmm girl at this at this new essentially new girl in school she's the new girl in school and she sees the pretty popular one and then you go straight into this like but they have an immediate understanding of each other to where there is that community and that sense of shared love between them and the fact that it skipped over any need to qualify that or define it and just puts it on you like it's the reality of the situation and that is the relationship these two people have i was like yeah accurate correct and that like what made me so mad about uh, Richard Brody's terrible review of Hustlers was how he said that like Ramona and Dorothy's relationship is not explored throughout the film, that it was (sighs) underdeveloped. Go home. When like the whole theme of that movie is, is their, their emotional core at the center of it. And then you, it would, this movie Suspiria, this is a love story between Susie and Sarah. And it's Mm -hmm. a love story between Blanc and Susie. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gorgeous undefined and no need to be defined set of relationships. Nobody's questioning anything. Everybody's just taking it on faith that there is this closeness and this willingness to sort of be vulnerable around one another. And it just felt like when you find the chosen family people like that is that to me was the that to me is the heart of the queerness about this movie Mm. is how the, the the chosen family to protect one another from the literally violent world outside in this case in your protective little space where you make art and dance and like hold hands and bunk up together and have sleepovers and hell maybe you're making out sometimes like oh. i love all of that it <laughs> made me so happy <laughs> you're, i'm i'm not sold on the movie but that was a very eloquent and great point about the way <laughs> that um like queer people we are kind of all you know, we're not all going to get along, but we're cut from the same cloth. Right. And speaking from another, like, queer man perspective, mm-hmm. like, I'm definitely less quick to physical intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. I don't touch people a lot. Totally. Um, but in terms of emotional intimacy, like, this happened to me last year. I met my friend Aaron Dries, who's mm-hmm. this Australian horror author. Shout out to him. Hey, He'll be listening hey to this in three months when he eventually <laughs> catches up on podcast. Yeah. Um, but we... I met him at a convention last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to lunch with some friends and we watched a shockwave show. And the next day we had like a four hour conversation about like our queer lives mm-hmm. and our journeys. And it just, it happens. Sometimes you find out someone's queer, you get the spark and you're like, all right, we're laying everything out on the mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's a beautiful it's thing. One of the best feelings. 
It's a great feeling. And in, yeah. amidst the this movie that is so literally drab aesthetically and yet fabulous. Um and and a a a world that we are told explicitly exists in spite of the challenges imposed upon the by the outside imposed upon by the outside world that it is protected by by Blanc um largely uh, to see that beauty within it and to see how the girls relate to each other like everybody gets along but not in like a lovey-dovey way but you just you you sense an understanding between the dancers that like this is their cool camp and they kind of understand that they're in this enclave where they don't have to pay to live there and it's emphasized when Susie gets there like we want our women to be financially autonomous and you don't have to pay a thing and to watch Susie start crying immediately when she hears that she Mm -hmm. understands exactly Mm -hmm. the effect of that what they want for her and she's like oh my god I so deeply feel that when this batty ass old woman (laughs) Miss Vendegast is like Oh no, Miss Tanner. Miss Tanner is like telling her about the lodging and she just so tenderly in that Dakota Johnson way of like ultimate restraint. Mm-hmm. Like she breaks my heart so many times in this movie with just like the incredibly easy sense of vulnerability that you can get from her. And I think people who are people who don't get it would call that like a lack of dimension. But I think people said the same things about Kristen Stewart and have been pr- proven wrong over and over and over again Thank you. about the, the range of her talents. Also any artist who's tried to make a living on their art understands that moment when she cried, when they oh, said Jesus. she could live there for free. Like, <laughs> I cried. Yeah. I'm That's fucking real. That. Yeah. It's, it's real. But I, you did bring up um, something I think it's really interesting is that it's a love story between Susie and, uh, and Sarah and mm-hmm. also uh, Susie and Blanc. Yeah. Because their love is telegraphed so differently in this exactly. movie. Exactly. And that I was pretty here for because I I, I I saw different sides of Susie. Like completely like it's when she's completely. lying there and looking at Blanc and she says, What does she say? Do you do, uh, you love me, don't you? Or it's, you because, should, oh, it's, because, it's because you, you love, love me. me. Yeah. You don't want me to choose the thing that yes. you're pretty sure I'm gonna choose because you love me. She is owning it she oh, yeah. loves that attention and it's oh, a different yeah. kind of the other one is fully mutual this is like when she ah. takes blanc's hands and says i want to be this company's hands yes. like the assertiveness of her touching blanc to her chest like that into her hands and you watch the change in tilda's face it's just so small in that moment mm-hmm. when you see her kind of like just wilt and soften a little mommy. bit at the like, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly oh my god yeah. this yeah. fucking dance dominatrix yeah. <laughs> taking like Susie takes her by the hands and she says this and just like pulls her to her chest and is yes. like my child like you you mm-hmm. see the transference in that moment of the love do the I love this movie or am, do I just love talking about it with you I'm confused I'm having That's a full true. shutdown we right definitely now. love Jordan is where yeah. I, do. I love Jordan and I love Dakota Johnson yes wow. I'm with you there I a thing I a thing I, I have to emphasize is that I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm such a fan of Dakota and I feel like Luca Guara and there are such through lines between her and Kristen Stewart to me with the the way their restraint can be such an asset if you know how to use it as a filmmaker. And I think the way Olivia Olivia Assayas fits Kristen Stewart in movies like uh, Clouds of Sils Maria and Personal Shopper and the way he understands how to film her and the way he understands how to watch her and and bring out the best in her and even take things, uh, you know, qualities about her kind of nervousness and her tension and make them into just like beautiful expressions of art. I think in the way that Assayas gets Johnson, I think Luca Guadagnino gets uh, or Asayas gets Stuart, Luca Guadagnino gets um, Johnson, Dakota Johnson. And she has this great quote from uh, this profile that came out when uh, <laughs> this movie was going around where she, oh, what was it? I think it is, um, she was talking about like being open and vulnerable with him. And she said that um, he, uh, he unzips me and I open for him. 
was oh. her description of, of her working relationship with Luca Guadagnino. Wow. Oh, okay. my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Woo! The unbutton a button or two. Woo! I'm like, and that, to me, was this movie. Like, she literally at one point fucking unzips her chest. But, like, she <laughs> <laughs> uns, like she truly, like, you watch, like, this movie is like a slow unzipping mm-hmm. until you get to a point where she's in, like, the sheer caftan. And she's fully <laughs> open for him. The sheer caftan of this movie, yeah. let me tell you. <laughs> I want several. And speaking of her, like, depth in this role, she said that it she had to go to therapy mm-hmm. about it. And mm-hmm. I think that is really interesting because why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sam's like, I was exercised watching yeah. it. But, but it is kind of it, the, the amount, the toll, the emotional toll that it took on her interests me as well as the two years of ballet that she, or the two years of dance going into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what dedication to this? All I'm doing is standing right now. There are no points to be made. <laughs> <laughs> this is just how amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I, I think uh, another thing thing that I really appreciate about this is I've heard complaints that, and I get it. I've heard complaints about like the presence of Klemperer. Like why do we need Klemperer? Why do we waste so much time on him? And there is a lot of real estate devoted to him and I get that. But what I like is the fact that the presence, like the only male who's meaningful in the story is played by a woman is, is Tilda Swinton. The only other two men we see are those police officers. And when they make it into the school, they're immediately turned into jokes. There's literally a scene of pointing and laughing (laughs) at penises by witches. Like there, that one of them holds up a penis with a hook, like a a Mm -hmm. dangerous hook and is just laughing her ass off at it. And when Susie like steals that little laugh, when she walks away (laughs) after like spying on them in the room, their society is so self-sufficient and they've had to weather the storms that like war has brought upon them. But there isn't a patriarchal oppressor in this movie because the patriarchy is almost irrelevant. Like it doesn't even penetrate this female only society. So it's not even like a credible threat. And the one man that they invite in, they use him to be their witness to the most like grotesque spectacle that they can possibly stage. And Susie tells him at the end, when she has ascended to mother superiorum status, you know, we need guilt and we need shame, but we don't need yours. <laughs> and the idea that like, you know, the guilt and the shame and like a sense of like never forget is important. I thought was really interesting. And the fact that like they need it as their witness somebody and it was like well it's going to be this man this man is going to be the vessel for like all of the pain and trauma that we have to exercise out of the situation you need to be the one to see it it was never going to be one of their own and it was never going to be a woman and i like the impenetrability of the society this women's society so much that like men can be rendered weeping and crying on the floor or pure jokes and while there is like you know Nazi adjacent like Third Reich hangover terrorism happening outside. They're like, well, here we make the rules. Here we we govern everything, and we protect each other. Except for those girls that we have to accidentally sacrifice because we thought they could ascend to like being a vessel for Mother Suspiriorum, but they can't. So whoops, sorry. Like trial and error. Um, but and and you know, and just the way that like they're obviously witches, so they have powers. But when they do their vote between who who to back to lead the coven, whether it's going to be Marcos or Blanc, the fact that they vote telepathically, the yes. way that they're all just the the link and connection of them to like communicate subconsciously with one another, I thought that was just like one more layer to me of like mm-hmm. this woven together like this quilt of humanity in this in this in this dance studio. Can I jump in on the queerness of that moment though? Mm-hmm. When like when they're all talking it, <laughs> when they're talking over food, but. 
it, they're, and they know they're being watched by the women uh, yeah. or the girl, the younger women. So is this Cafe Paris? Yes. When they're in Cafe Paris the first, first time, time and the, the young girls and walk. they're having yeah. a conversation that the others can't hear. That's like when you invite your straight friend to brunch <laughs> <laughs> and you're all talking about something and they just have no idea. Yeah. That was it for me. I'm like, oh, that's why this movie's weird. <laughs> it's like when y'all was talking about Owl City. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> but we outnumber Nay, but we were at Nay's brunch on that one and we, mm. we, we didn't, we didn't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I, you guys know this about me. Sometimes I see things, I watch things not knowing what I'm watching a lot. <laughs> I didn't realize that was Tilda Swinton the first time I saw it. Oh, okay. Oh, and yeah. it, what a fun reveal then. Yeah. So it wasn't until I was reading about it and then watched it again. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I mean, I, her performance is really compelling. And the, her old makeup, my God, This Is Us doesn't have shit on them. <laughs> and they, uh, she did have the costumer uh, the, or the, the effects makeup specialist create a custom penis and testicles that she could wear inside her pants <gasps> while playing the character because she wanted to really physically feel like a man. In that wow. Role. That. I wish folks who don't have a penis and want a penis. Yeah. Had access right. To right. Those kind of things. That would be awesome. Yes. You're like, yes, custom Packer, please. Yes, yes. Like a, yes. a Packer fitted to my specifications yes. and dimensions, please. I also yes. hope it's now hanging on her wall. <laughs> Yes. I hope she wears it out sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I, I definitely feel like she would. Does. I definitely I, like, would. How many, so how many, like how many days of the year do we think Tilda Swinton is just incognito in the world? Like oh she oh, just she's like, in this room right now. <laughs> <laughs> my God. She's Ernie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, would you give it a pride float? <laughs> I would. I feel like just for that one, two, three kiss. Oh, I every it breaks my heart. It is so yes. perfect. And here's and, the thing: I, I have to say real quick. This is one of my favorite things. I realized watching Hustlers that I loved that movie so much. I didn't even wish it was more gay. Like mm-hmm. I normally will immediately go to shipping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just like the default. That was the right amount because. Like, and hey, I wouldn't mind it if it took that turn. But I didn't even walk out being like, oh, if only they could have been together forever, like Ramona and Dorothy or whatever. Because the the com- sense of community and love and, and non-romantic connection was so fully realized and so complete. I was like, oh, shit. This is why I'm always, like, always going to stand the, like, headcanon lesbians because most of the time I'm dealing with straight male filmmakers whose capacity stop at their either fucking or they have a minorly developed emotional relationship with one another, meaning two female characters, that, like, my only expectation for how this could become more substantial and and meaningfully connected is if they were having sex with each other, is if it went to this place of sexual connection. It's like, no, there's the place where I live my life as a panromantic, gray asexual person who I'm obviously not out there fucking people, so it's not like me standing people having sex, like, makes a total amount of sense. Yeah, it's not no, like something totally. I'm relating to, but yeah. it t- that that's the only thing you see in movies where, like, those female friendships can exist with the level of intimacy that I actually strive for and, and try to affect as much in my own personal life is if there's a sexual element added. Well, this movie and in Suspiria too, which is a very asexual movie. The only time sex is mentioned is when Susie's talking about dancing bulk the first time. And she says, I imagine it feels like what I imagine it feels like to fuck. <laughs> and Blanc says to her like, Oh, you mean a man? And she goes, no, like an animal. Like even the idea <laughs> of sex is like, Oh, the man. Oh no. Yeah, like no. yeah, sex with them, sex with anybody. Don't be ridiculous. Yeah, doesn't 
doesn't come into play here. And then when the idea of a man is brought up, it is immediately dismissed. And then male sex organs are dismissed as comical. And so fair, <laughs> fair. there, you know, it's a, it's a dongle. Uh, and you know what? that's, that was unfair of me to say, I think m- any, you can like, speak to them more effectively than I could. So no, I'm just saying any close inspection of any human body part. You're like, this is a strange Wild. thing to Wild. investigate at length. Yeah. I do think when I was a bit younger, I, I thought it was hilarious to make fun of penises. <laughs> and then I had to like interrogate my own internalized transphobia mm-hmm. yeah. and be like, Oh, actually that's not just a, a male right right and now i'm like well thank god now i don't have to hate penises because there are people i genuinely like with them now (laughs) right i love that and and and, and to be clear in this movie very much the penis is the representation of the cis white oppressor this is yeah that like not to uh not to denigrate the significance of the penis in one's uh self-identification uh it is it is just representative of of a patriarchal oppressor in this context um, but the 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 love and in its way asexual romance that exists between Susie and Dakota where you have that sisterly connection and then Susie and Blanc where you have that maternal but also like there is a complicated sort of sensuality there. And yet this movie is so – this movie is so sensual and this movie mm-hmm. is so like I am definitely turned on by this movie. Oh, yeah. and, and yet not in a way that ever needed to cross that threshold – to me to be like oh finally like these two women get to connect in a in a significant and meaningful way that resonates with me they didn't need to and this thus the hustlers connection right because what's more significant and meaningful than being in a room naked with all your naked friends <laughs> yes. right like with fucking human hair hanging yes. on the wall oh my god so <laughs> the walls are covered in human hair that represent the victims uh I, that they I, previously they previously gone through I will take this as a moment to describe my pride float because that's one of my favorite yeah, parts. Yeah, yeah, great. But I will say, because I want it to be mirrored walls. Mm-hmm. And I originally Ooh, yeah. wanted, I just like, because I live for that, that look. That room is. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but and want, when Vendegast does that move oh, to open the door with her hands. Incredible. God. Because everything should open that way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I want Chloe Moretz uh, reading that one line from the beginning where she says, they'll hollow me out and eat my cunt on a plate. On a plate. That's what I want. Or or swap it because now we've had this episode and I want to see Britney Spears wearing that robe too. <laughs> so one or the other, maybe both. Oh you know what? I have changed. I would give it a float, but only if Britney said that she would dance on the float in the, yes. in the Volk dress. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's and, the only reason I'd give it a yes too is to and, see Folk performed. There you go. And I love you guys. Yeah. yeah for me, my, my pride float is the Black Sabbath. Except oh on my pride float, um, when Sarah asked, when she asks Sarah, you know, what do you want? Uh, Sarah says to live, and we run the coven together. That's what I want. I, I want I want Sarah to to get her yes. literal insides put back inside her body, and then for her to live, so her and Susie can live in like perfect communion and yes. and rule over the coven. I think there's one song that would actually swap out really well for the Black Sabbath scene. Can't wait to hear what Owl this is City. Be. Just really any Owl <laughs> City that we could just get in there, mm-hmm. but particularly Fireflies. Particularly Fireflies. So the, the, oh, really? Oh, I, I shouts out to the, the shouts out to the very uh, end of the movie when Dakota Johnson enters into uh, when uh, Susie enters full Mater Superior into uh, Klemperer's room, and the. Uh, the housemaid walks up to her to be like, what are you doing here? And she looks at her and what is, uh, 
warten Sie draußen. When she tells her to go wait outside in German with like this perfect assertiveness. And I, I really love the language of German. I love the way it sounds. I love Germ Germans speaking English. I love the accent. Um, and so when, when, Susie assertively says, Vatsen sie draußen. I was like, okay. <laughs> she's got her short do. She's got the, she's got the, the, the confidence plus she's the mother witch now. She's got it all. She's got it all. I was so, I was already all in and that just, that just pushed me right over the edge. Just fell right off. Mm -hmm. So good job, Dakota. I'm sold. I'm sold. I mean, I already came into this loving the movie. I think I could probably like any movie that Jordan likes if I listen to Jordan <laughs> I make, talk about I it. Make Honestly, a really yeah. good you know, case for movies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, and I already came into this as a yes, but now I'm a hell yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I came into this as a maybe. I'm into <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm still at a no. Okay. But I appreciate your convictions. Yeah. No, but look. I admit that most of my qualms with the movie come from me and mm -hmm. not from the movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it's just not it's not a movie built for Brennan, and that's okay. Yeah. Not everything has to be. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm big on I'm big on that as well. I, I don't remember what the movie was I most recently saw. Where it was like it's not it's kind of, it's actually how I feel about every Wes Anderson movie. Huh, okay, um, it's not. I like Fantastic Mr. Fox or not, but basically I'm just like I get that this was well done and is exactly what it's supposed to be and has n needs nothing to do with me in my life. Yeah. Like that, that, whereas I really love Quentin Tarantino would never be grudge a single person who was like, his thing is so aggressively not mine. I, I, I can't not hate it. It'd be like, that makes total sense. That's what I feel about certain kinks. I'm like, I know that y'all <laughs> yeah. are mm -hmm. doing it right. There you go. It's just not doing it for me. Right. And yes. so, and that's fine. You're, and and if, if, yeah. if you can trust in like, I know you're doing it right. It's like, wow, if, if this isn't going to, if you're the person who's not going to get me over the hill on this one. Exactly. Well, gosh, it's just, then not, it's not for me. Yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> Don't yuck someone else's yum. Right. <laughs> um, this is amazing. This was I, this so much like fun. the exact perfect people to have here for this movie. What a fun night. <laughs> so fun. Thanks for having me. Um, of course, before we go, I wanted to quickly mention, um, and, I want this is like specifically for our lovely, wonderful listeners. Mm. If you all ever have something come up for you because of something we've said on the show, whether something offended you, something hurt your feelings, you didn't understand something, you hated something. I want you to know we are really open to those conversations. Um, and I know that it takes work and effort to like bring to write us, to tweet us, to mm -hmm. message us. I know that. Um, but it will fall on listening ears. Um, and that has come up for us recently. And I wanted to just reiterate that we are not here to make anyone feel bad. And w along with that, we know that impact matters more than intent. Yes. So although it's never our intent to do that, we know that um, it can happen. So please come to us. We don't want to lose listeners. Um, and, and not and, just like, oh, our numbers. It's like, no, the, no, it's the way absolute, more important that it's way more important than that. We don't want to hurt queer people. <laughs> yeah, the absolute yeah. last thing we want is to make anyone feel unsafe yeah. listening to this show. We don't want to do any harm um, ever. And we know that's impossible because you know what, folks, we're at work. <laughs> and like, this is a job <clears throat> and we love it. But sometimes things are said at work that we don't have any control over mm -hmm. and aren't always handled correctly in the moment. So. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with us and for growing with us and just talk to us, which some of you have, and I cannot tell you how appreciative we are of that. 
Yes, so. absolutely. And thank you guys for having me back. Yes. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> We've been wanting it so bad. This has been, I, I mean, this is a, more than a year in the making because this, yes. this yeah. is true. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's true. Yeah. Um, well, for Jordan and Sam, um, are there any things you want to bring up that y'all have coming up in the future that you want to plug? I know Jordan has something really cool coming up in a few days, but this episode will air yeah. after it happens. Yeah. To any of you who were at the Jennifer's Body screening, 10th anniversary Jennifer's body screening. I'm billing Jennifer's vengeance at uh, Beyond Ugh. Fest in Los Angeles uh, on, on Sunday. I think that's the 29th. I hope you had a great time because I <laughs> definitely did. I'm sure I partied my ass off. I'm so excited. <laughs> I appreciate so much how loud you cheered for Megan Box and Car and Kusama <laughs> In that Sam. low shoulder shirt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I cut into a crop? Yeah. Yeah. The custom crop. Cannot yeah. Wait. I'm yep. sitting with Michael. Uh, so... <laughs> And I, I will. I and looked, my mom. I looked to yes. them for support, and I think Joshua Conkle. Oh, really? Yes. So it's going to be, be a Queer Wolf All Star cast <laughs> yes. at this event. Definitely. Um, speaking of Queer Wolf events, well, I mean, this isn't a Queer Wolf event, but I am hosting a screening of oh, Tammy yes. and the T Rex. Oh, yes. On yes. October tenth. This is like the blood cut, right? The gore cut. This is the gore cut. And friends, Folks, if you were here for this, the, get my out very there. last like episode as co-host, um, it was Tammy and the T Rex, and if you have it's not excellent. seen it, you this is your it really, chance to see it before the Black Friday cut. It is yes. tremendous. Tammy and the T-Rex reaches across the aisle. Yes. Like, yeah. Those unites arms. us all. Yes. It makes its phone calls. Put the Frida Cinema into your GPS. See how far it is for you. And whoever <laughs> you know drives the farthest, I'll try and have a prize for you. Because <laughs> I, I can't wait. And Stuart, the director, Stuart Raffle, will be there in person to have a kooky Q&A. And I promise you. It sounds you like it's it going to be. be kooky. This man is amazing. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, come join us uh, Thursday, October tenth. Awesome. May we may we all be united in Denise Richards. Oh, yes. oh my god. Yes. Oh my and- god. <laughs> I was I I wa- Sam has watched me watch this movie and I could not I stop to watch you watch this. narrating <laughs> the experience of experiencing Denise Richards. <laughs> And where can uh, we find you both on the internet? I am on Twitter at JorCrew, J-O-R-C-R-U. I am at Sam Weinman on Instagram and Twitter. And you can watch my movie, The Quiet Room, on Shutter yeah. or on CryptoTV, which I will clarify is on YouTube. Yes. a lot of people yeah. didn't know that. Oh, cool. Yeah, so That's it's awesome. everywhere. Ugh. Sometimes I just see one little random still from that. <laughs> yeah. And if it has anything to do with that damn demon, I'm like, oh, God. I love when people screenshot it and tweet it out. Yes. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yes, that hand. Don't yes. show me those names. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Black Cupcake, B-L-A-K-K. And where Cupcake. can we find and photography you can find, of your art? You can, oh. you can find my art. Through my like, you can find my art Instagram through my regular Instagram, or at Gaudi Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Wolf Pod. Uh, you can please join our Facebook group at Attack of the Queer Wolf Pack. That's where we're sourcing all of our wonderful uh, shady summaries. Um, for me, you can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brens. Also, um, every October on my blog, I do a franchise marathon of a franchise I've never watched. And this year, I've decided to punish myself, and I'm doing Wishmaster. So check oh, that out. Wow. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a wild ride. I promise you. <laughs> I think yeah, that's it. That's it. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. <laughs>